Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sesploitation Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Woo! Well, well we are back. So, let's just say last week was one of those weeks that went so far south that I lifted my head up and hit the devil in the nuts. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said to the devil, I said, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to. He's like, it's okay. Then he goes, hey, Nate, <laughs> see you in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we've been, we've been really open and honest about this. Uh, you know, we do try to do the show at least once a week, whether it's on a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, or a Sunday night. We do try to deliver a show for you folks every week, but we've been very open and honest about this. We both have health issues, and I mean, I while... I wish it was my health that, issues. <laughs> yeah, well... Dealing yeah, well, with this week, uh, the yeah. death of my dog and my uncle dying... Within the same yes. week period, that's just, woo. Yeah, and then I landed in the hospital and uh, was out of uh, out of contact for several days. Missed a show that we had a show scheduled for last week. Apologies uh, you missed for, the show. for anyone. You, did, you, you didn't send in your stories, but then again, only two people send in your stories. So I'm going to say, fuck it, I'm going to save them for next year. And Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that tonight, actually, because I was going through some notebooks and I was looking for the stories that I was planning on doing for the show. I thought, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're only like two or three pages long. They're not excessive stories. I just thought maybe if we need some filler in one of our shows in the upcoming week, yeah. that we can use just use them for that live on the air, you know. Yeah. So, did you um, watch that clip from Mike Judge's Tales in the Tour Bus I sent you? Oh, did you just send it to me? The one that I sent uh, you about George Clinton. Oh, no, I I don't think so. You sent it to me on Facebook? Yeah. Huh. Well, what it is, the well, story well, part it, of it is <laughs> is uh uh, they were all stoned on LSD going to a show in PA, but they got lost. And the next thing they know, <laughs> it was around 2 a.m. in the morning, and they were out in the countryside. And all of a sudden, these zombies started surrounding his car. <laughs> and George Clinton screamed as loud as he could and pissed his pants. And guess where he had ended up instead of Pittsburgh? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Evans City. So because they got lost, he ended up on the set of Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he said he didn't know what was going on until all of a sudden he heard this director walked out and said, cut, cut, cut. 
And George is like, oh, he said, he's, he's like, I got scared to death and I pissed my pants. <laughs> I see it now <laughs> in my in my uh, my Facebook Messenger. I see you did send it to me, but look, yeah. that was that was that was the exact night that I went MIA because I ended up in the hospital. So I I did yeah. I remember you sending it to me, but I haven't watched it. But yeah, yeah but that was funny. And imagine you, that that George Clinton stoned on LSD, accidentally driving <laughs> into the set of Night of the Living Dead. And see his car getting surrounded by the zombie. <laughs> and and you you said Mike Judge did that. If, yeah, is it, he did two he, seasons. Uh, one on country, yes. and the second one's on funk. Huh. I don't think I've ever heard of that show, but like I said, I'm looking at my Facebook right now, and I yeah, can see where you sent me that link. Only, yeah. but it is fucking a great fucking show, especially when you get hmm. one where like Bootsy Collins talked about how they were outside a show getting ready for the concert, and James right. Brown come out, and they had like his drink, and they had crumbled six tabs of orange dream in it <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and they were yeah. passing around the drink taking sips from it you know and all of a sudden james man come out and say give me that he's like you don't want to james <laughs> give me that <laughs> so he took the whole drink and just basically drunk it all the way down <laughs> i i wonder i wonder if that story influenced that ongoing joke in uh uh walk hard you know how in walk hard whenever yeah, he walks in on <laughs> exactly you know give me that shit you don't want that shit you don't want none of this What's yeah. It gonna do? yeah you know uh, yeah but um yeah i didn't know i and they is, said that uh for 20 minutes on stage uh, James Brown lifted his arms in the circle state, and they're like, "What are you doing, James? I'm doing the moon. It's a brand new dance." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'll have to check out some more of that. It seems interesting. If uh, especially yeah, uh, it's I, I really I really like Mike Judge. Uh, he has a real. I mean, uh, you know, you watch a movie like. Um, you know, like idiocracy and it's a little different, but I can see it, he goes back and forth. Obviously he got famous doing Beavis and Butthead, which was Dick yeah. and Fart jokes, but we, we all thought it was funny cause we were Dick and Fart age, but then, you know, uh, like office space and King of the Hill are really sophisticated, well-written comedies, you know, that like yeah. that he's just so, you know, Mike judge, he, he is a really great writer. You know, it's just well. That, I got the term you know, "toilet metal" from Beezus and Butthead, because he was uh, <laughs> talking about that band Crowbar. He's like, "Why do you call it toilet metal? Because it sounds like he's taking a big crap while he's singing it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know that was actually the funny thing is like, 
you know, sometimes I'll watch old episodes of Beavis and Butthead um, just because, you know, like I said, I like Mike Judge and I'm a comedy nerd. So, like, yeah. same thing with South Park. It's like they're not quality programs, but they, they're well, there's the a Beavis sense of nostalgia. Well, the Beavis and Butthead was and, out there watching videos and just totally ripping them apart. Isn't yeah, that was the watching? best part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, when, when Mike Judge came back and did those two new seasons of Beavis and Butthead a few years ago, those were hilarious. Yeah. I mean, we uh, like like Abby and I quote one of those episodes endlessly, like <laughs> when they're making fun of the uh, the Katy Perry video for firework. And uh, 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 Beavis is all like, "Yeah, I'm a firework. I'm a firework." And you know fire, the whole, the, the whole and, and the whole the whole video is obviously about uh, you know uh, empowering women of all shapes and sizes. You know, so there's a, a there's an overweight girl down by the pool yeah. wearing <laughs> wearing a swimsuit, and when when Beavis <laughs> gets all excited about being a firework but head says he's not talking to you beavis he's talking to that dove model down by the pool (laughs) (laughs) and abby and i say that abby and i say that all the time around here you know like you know you know we're both overweight we're not self-conscious about it you know i mean we're healthy for the most part but what are you talking about we are you know yeah, well, I've lost a lot of weight, but let me tell you the let me tell you the diet you don't want to go on, Stephen. And uh, listeners at home, uh, take me up on this. You don't want to go on either the heroin or the cancer diet. I've tried both of them, and although I did lose a lot of weight, well, don't forget don't the third diet, the- <laughs> which ain't even funny either. It's the broke ass diet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really broke. I have, I make jokes about being poor. But oh, I'm yeah. not joking about that. I'm just uh, talking about yeah. You know, it's one of those like ge- yeah. Do I? yeah. You're saying in ge- yeah in general yeah yeah yeah, yeah what uh, <laughs> you know you know <laughs> what is it what's the uh, what's the uh, uh, what's the Blues Brothers. You know why they call it a wish sandwich? What what are they? What's the joke? He says. Yeah. Do you know why they uh, call it a wish sandwich? Why? Cause you so hungry, you wish you had a sandwich. <laughs> and then yeah, the rubber the whole rubber biscuit joke. Where he's like, yeah. Yeah. You throw you throw it at the wall. If it don't bounce back, you go hungry. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're not gonna believe this. Uh a, a friend of mine came over uh the other day and we were just uh-huh. hanging out and uh like you know, he and I are both vinyl nerds, so whenever we hang out with each other, we both you know, we bring records over to each other's houses and or we dig through each other's record collections. He had never heard rubber biscuit before, and he's the same age as we are. He's late 40s, early 50s, what? just like that you and I. That was like a seriously top 20 hit when the year it came out. Yeah, he had never heard it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, this is John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. And he was like, what? He didn't even, he had never even, I don't think he had ever even heard of the Blues Brothers, dude. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, the I'm reason like, that most people like that. got fucked up about that album is that it actually was a serious blues album. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, there's a comedy element. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. There's a comedy yeah. element, yeah. but it it's like, uh, you know, serious comedy. Comedy songs in it were funny, but mostly it was just like a serious blues album. Right. Well, that kind of goes back to what we were, uh, you know, what we were just, uh, you know, talking about before, like Mike Judge, you know, or even yeah. the, the South Park, the South Park guys, you know, like they they do have a goofy, raunchy sense of humor, but they're also sophisticated writers that can pull off, you know, um, I, I would love to see, uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane actually put together something that was really meaningful you know like i think he has a good sense of humor and again he no he does leans on dick he ted leans on dick and fart jokes ted and two ted two was shit a million well, ways to die in the west was horse shit that's my point, though, Stephen, is I think he has the potential, but he needs to lean away from the dick and fart jokes. He's a good writer, but he, he goes for the easy laugh every time. I don't want to see him do a comedy like that. I'd rather see him do something that's more like a, say, like a Noah Baumbach uh, picture, you know, like, uh, you know, like a more high-minded. Much, yeah. As much shit as I give him, one of the funniest scenes I have ever seen is in Royal Tenenbaums, and it's just four words. <laughs> yeah. Can I have a cigarette? <laughs> right. Uh, You'd have to see it in context, yeah. but in context, that's just so fucking hilarious. I mean, yeah. like, can I have a cigarette? What are you talking about? Can I have a cigarette? What are you talking about? <laughs> Just give me a cigarette, please. <laughs> uh, so we've been talking, and actually that's a nice yeah, segue. Yeah, have you because, got to uh, see uh, your two face? I can't believe, well, you've been sick, but is... Yeah, um... Isn't uh, one of see, those you're going to have to go out of your fucking way to see? Um, no, the area where we live, uh, uh, we live, uh, for those who don't listen to the show or for or listening for the first time or haven't heard this story, uh, uh, Abby and I live in Augusta, which is the capital of Maine, and in and of itself, it's kind of like a little hipster town. Like there's lots of cool pizzerias and, and, uh, and coffee shops and stuff like that. And of course we have the regular chain restaurants like McDonald's and Arby's and shit. And there's a mall and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, the movie theater out by the mall is usually pretty good about bringing in like, they have like 10 theaters there. So they'll bring in like yeah. the blockbusters. But if we want to go see an art film, we usually have to drive about 20 minutes in either direction. There's an art theater uh, about 20 minutes north of here, and there's an art theater about 20 minutes south of here. But the one down south is in Portland, which is the biggest city in Maine. So parking is an issue, and it's a huge pain in the ass. But they usually have the movies. But... um 
the theater that's 20 minutes north from here is the one that's been doing the Wes Anderson Film Festival this month. Yeah. Uh, they've been showing a, a different Wes Anderson movie every Monday night. So we, we assume they're building up to French Dispatch, you know. Yeah, like if it, they don't show the Prince Dispatch after a month of Wes Anderson films, that would be <laughs> one of the biggest prick teases I can think. <laughs> I know, right? Well, every week when we went to see a different Wes, every week when we went to see a different Wes Anderson movie, they would show the previews for the for you know all of the rest of the movies that were coming. It was it was a six week film festival. They showed six Wes Anderson movies, so every like every week they would show you fewer and fewer trailers because there were fewer and fewer films that were coming up the following Monday. And so, uh, uh, yeah, the last, when we went to see the Royal Tenenbaums, the only films that were left were life aquatic. And then they showed a trailer for French dispatch. So I'm assuming that they will show that, but, um, you're right. It would be a ripoff, but I will tell you one thing. Railroad Square Cinema in Waterville, Maine, uh, is an amazing theater. They only have they only have two theaters, uh, but the 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 uh, the snacks are inexpensive, uh, and you can drink booze while you're there. And they yeah. always have one they always have one big movie that's like making the rounds, you know, like a big hit Spielberg movie in theater one and then theater two is always a, a second run art film or, or something really yeah. cool. Um, and uh, they, they always have a huge stack of uh, posters from the movies that they've shown recently that you can just take for free. And that's yeah. always cool. Like it, when they do like a second run movie, like they live or something for Halloween. And then you can, get your hands on like a vintage they live poster. Cause they're like, well, we're not showing this ever again. It was a one night thing, you know, like, uh, that, 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 I think that's the theater where, uh, where Abby and I met Gunnar Hansen. Um, they, yeah. they did a showing of, they did an original 35 millimeter showing of, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he was there signing yeah. autographs. Oh, you, were, uh, uh, uh die because uh Tuesday at the Central Cinema was an open mic comedy night. Oh yeah. What? Hello? What was that? I said Hello? I don't know. Something yeah. snapped. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But no, yeah, I I heard a snap. They uh yeah. they uh did uh, open mic comedy night. This is one of those, if you're a comedian, come on in and look like a dumbass on stage unless you're really good. <laughs> and then people say, why aren't you making money off this? Then you'll say, who is? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I I can say honestly, as someone who's been doing stand-up comedy for the last seven years, uh yeah, I mean there are I mean, I get along with everybody in the in in the comedy world up here in in New England. You know, I've done comedy everywhere from upstate New York to upstate Maine. And when I say upstate Maine, I mean I've been on a fucking patio in 
on the fucking Canadian border doing stand up for like a a bunch of bikers and snowmobilers who are just hanging out around a bonfire. <laughs> like yeah. but uh but yeah, a lot of times you you know a lot, a lot of times you get paid and that's cool, you know, if you know it's 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 more about the community and just trying to like promote each other and help each other out. Um you know, usually though comedy can pay pretty well uh for like uh 10 to 20 minutes a lot of times you'll get like 20 bucks and i mean come on that's like two bucks an hour you know a dollar an hour and a lot of times when promoters can't afford to pay you cash uh yeah they'll make sure they'll make sure you get a free beer and a slice of pizza or an order of chicken wings or something you know just to make sure that it's worth your time to you know, they're basically just reimbursing you for the gas money, you know, because that's stand-up comedy. There's a lot of friggin' driving, man, you know? Yeah, I so. mean, it's like a, whenever someone comes to me and I'm like, I do a podcast. Oh, how much money do you make off of it? Uh, come a little closer, I tell you. A little closer. I know, it's like, okay, so... You know, you and I first started working together. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier. You know, you and I first started working together, uh, you know, probably like seven years ago doing podcasts. Uh, We've done podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I have done podcasts along with like Vicky and Carl and uh, and then, you know. Uh, Don't mention the second name on the air. That's a no-no word. We we no we've word. all we we've all written stuff for the for the website and everything and I was thinking about it today and I was like for all the time and effort that we've put into podcasts and the website writing and uh, ev- the record label that that Sean Tims and I run it's like we actually spend more money than we make. And it's sad. Like we do make money, but at the end of the day, it's like, if this was an episode of bar rescue, we'd be, you know, three months away from (laughs) having to, having to shut the doors. (laughs) Yeah. Arrow, as much as I pimp you on the show and online for all your good shit, y'all owe me some money. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I I think about that all the time. It's like the same thing. Like when we sell records on Gigantic Monster, I just let Sean Tims keep the money because it keeps the website up for our massive, you know. So, but yeah, you're right. I I do I I I will gladly help pay for the uh for the account. I uh I have my own account, but I never use it. We tried it that one time, remember, and it kept kept cutting out. That and I don't want to badmouth anyone's you product, but some... fucking, fucking, fucking Anchor, man. Jesus Christ. Anchor can go piss on itself. It's... For for those of you who don't know, or even those of you who are somewhat in the loop and have heard the story, uh, our friend Vicky and I, uh, uh, you know, uh, she's she's been on our show before. We've been on her show before. Vicky and I were planning on starting our uh, our own little separate podcast on the side, 
and uh, we 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 got a we booked a bunch of guests and we got everything all lined up and ready to go. We set a date. We talked ahead of time and we're you know planning exactly what we wanted to talk about. And, you know it it wasn't you know it wasn't just free and loose, which you know Stephen and I are good at free and loose, and Vicky and Stephen and I are all good at free and loose as well. But Vicky and I wanted to have. Uh, you know, get a guest on and specifically interview them. So we had everything all set up. Uh, Vicky lives on the West Coast, so we have a three-hour yeah. time difference. Um, and I actually had the uh, the stand-up comedian slash politician <laughs> that was going to be on the show right here in my studio. Um, and we signed up for an anchor account just to be able, because we wanted to record it. Steven and I do this live off the cuff, but Vicky and I wanted to record it, put some music and sound effects and different well, no, stuff we just do for fun. Have, we're like a good wrestling promo. We go and give each other, okay, here's the bullet points. We're going to work with those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We. I we, mean, I'll see fired, someone like, yeah. oh, I have my podcast scripted down to the last moment. Uh, what if you shit yourself yeah. on the air? Your script's going to go straight to shit. Uh-huh. Hell, you know. That's funny you say that because I was, uh, like I mentioned before, you know, we had been planning on doing a Halloween episode where we were all going to read uh, pre-record where well, we were going to record stories oh, yeah. and just splice. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was digging through, uh, some papers today because like I mentioned earlier, but I don't know if I said it while we were on air or if it was before we went live, but I, I mentioned that, um, I dug up the stories that I was planning to read for Halloween. And I thought if we have time in the next couple of weeks and we're just trying to fill some air, they're only like, they'll take like three minutes to read a piece. So no yeah. big deal. But, um, oh, no was... worry. you got shutter, right? Yeah. Okay. I've got your punishment all set out. Okay. Which is Veronica by the one and only Glenn Danzig. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I have not seen that yet, but I've read so <laughs> oh, much about oh, God. it. Did you, did you watch it? Did you watch I it? I made it five minutes in, and I thought, this is the worst shit I have seen in a long time. Yeah, I, I feel I'm bad. I'm going to get like... the director. You remember you got we got him on the director? You got on the director of uh, Bad Girls? Uh, was that um, uh, Mickey Mickey Reese? Yeah. What, yeah, it was Mickey Reese, right? Yeah. yeah. He was the one. You remember uh, one yeah, little he, thing that he said that made me think he'd be perfect for a watch of, of Veronica? Who was that? <laughs> Talk Glenn Danzig. Remember? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, I just you think know, the, it would be funny watching him just shit all over Glenn Danzig for like 90 minutes. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> right? that would be beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's like uh, it, it's so weird because, you know, I 
I was a really big fan of the Misfits back in the 1980s, but I think that probably had more to do with my my older siblings, you know, were like uh, punk rock kids, you know, so I kind of looked up no, to them, I'm idolized not, no, them. No, and, no, no, no. You know. the, the, the Glenn Danzig Misfit era is fucking good. There's no way right. around that. But then I never really cared for Sam Hain. Um, I like yeah, the visual imagery one. that they, you know, I like the visual yeah. imagery, but I didn't care for the music. I I liked Danzig, uh, you know, kind of off on his own a little bit, but those albums were hit or miss for me as well, because even though, ironically, Clutch is my favorite band, and Abby and I have this discussion well, all the time. I've- I don't yeah. really, I don't care for, I don't care for the blues. And Abby's like, what are you talking about? Clutch is your favorite band. And they're kind of like a blues rock band. And I'm like, I guess I think they're a little more punk rock, but what heavy did metal, you say? You don't like the blues? No, nah, I don't really care for it. Fuck it. Dude. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I like, I, I like, uh, you know, like, I'll listen to some like old muddy waters or something like that, but I don't know. So you once, don't like once, the movie Crossroads, do you? I don't like the movie Crossroads, but it's not just because it's about the blues. I just fucking hate Ralph Macchio, and I think that movie's a piece of crap. Yeah, Ralph Macchio was good for the role because he's supposed to be the stupid white boy who don't need no shit about the blues, who gets over his neck air. I mean, I love it, the fact that it's got everything fun to blues, like uh, he meets this girl and they get along good, they start sex, and he falls in love with her, then she just leaves him. All right. <laughs> And and then he goes up to Joe Seneca, what am I going to do without her? He's like, pick up your guitar. He's like, okay, mm-hmm. now what? And then Joe Seneca hands him a bottle of booze. <laughs> right. He's, yeah, he's like, yeah. booze ain't nothing but a man missing a good woman. And then he plays that beautiful fucking Ry Cooter track. Right, yeah. Oh, the the movie has some good needle drops, and it's definitely, it's not terribly written. I just fucking hate Ralph Macchio, man. The only thing I've ever liked I him in is the, 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 the Karate, karate kid. kid. That's I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't think of anybody uh, else who could have played Zach in Crossroads the way it does. Yeah, I guess because Ralph Macchio kind of has like that, just like I guess that's what makes him likable in both of those movies is that he kind of just comes across as a meathead. Like it doesn't even seem like he's acting, you know. He just kind of yeah. I mean, if you really kinda... watch the Karate Kid, when they kick the shit out of him, I mean, he really deserves his first ass whipping from him. <laughs> I mean, you get these guys and it just dumps water on their fucking heads. I mean, (laughs) what was he expecting? What was he expecting? (laughs) I I don't know why they want to beat the shit out of me. I mean, I just 
old and the main guy's woman, then I just dump water all over them. Then I dump I water mean, on him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Why would he? Want I mean, to, why would he want to fight? All yeah, I did was spit will... in his face. <laughs> All I did was yeah. spit in his face and stomp on his toe. Why would he want to punch me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Okay. Well, speaking of speaking of uh, controversies, uh, you and I had a bit of a controversy just a uh, just a little while before we went on the air. Um, and I think this uh, is a North versus South thing. I think this is a North versus South thing. <laughs> No, when there's a we difference. Wait, let me explain no. real quick. There's a difference oh, okay, between wait, well, Northern wait, let, or let, Boston. Let, let, let me let me say it. There's a big difference okay. between Northern and Boston baked beans. That's like two different creatures all together. Now, see what happened was Stephen and I took a poll to decide which of uh, well, nine uh, yeah. separate things set separate things would you choose to eliminate from Thanksgiving dinner? And baked beans was one of the things, which is what Steven voted for. I was just confused of why it was on there. I mean, like baked beans, I've never heard of anybody, northern or southern, having baked beans on Thanksgiving. But then what I said was that in Maine, we eat baked beans three meals a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's, that explains it's my not, question. <laughs> but yeah, really, 90% of the people that added that hate a, squa- a squash casserole. I will never eat a casserole. You know why? Any food because that you... sounds that close to asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, and I mentioned this one when we were chatting back and forth about it earlier. I am not yeah. a finicky eater. There are there are really only two foods that I absolutely do not like, and they are squash and turnip. So that's it for me. I mean, I'll eat pretty much anything else on the planet. I mean, well, I've oh, tried other. I, uh, and I would not try. I'm glad you pulled that on me because if you put it on Anna Hines, there might be a good chance that you're going to get shot or stabbed. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> My favorite Annette Hines story was her and uh, Gene Silver was on a set and they were fucking with Gene for having one leg. And then Hyde yeah. said, the next one who fucks with her, I will personally beat the shit out of. And then this one guy was just standing there laughing when she said it. So she proceeded to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Have I, I I think I've probably told you this story before, and I've probably told it on the air yeah. before, but just, just you mentioning... Uh, uh, an actor with one leg. Um, I work with a guy who has one leg and he always wears shorts to work because he works in the warehouse. And so he has a prosthetic limb from the knee down and on his other leg, he has a tattoo that says one foot in the grave pointing at his (laughs) fake leg. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but I have, Uh, during my illness, I watched the, a couple of new movies. 
I mean, the best movie, new movie I've seen last month had to be Chad Edward Crinkle's Dementor. That one fucked me up beyond getting fucked up. I mean, by the end of that, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, God damn. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Right. Yeah. If you're looking for something, yeah. it's just damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, that... <laughs> I mean, it's it's brutal and unnerving, but it's not, like, off-putting. Like, you and I talk a lot about the most disturbing films that we've ever seen, and then we keep adding to the list because, for some reason, you and I can't stop fucking watching disturbing films. There's something desperately well, wrong with us, but... <laughs> it isn't that. It's just when somebody does it right. I mean, it's not disturbing like men behind the head sun serving it's just one of those yeah. that fucks with you yeah yeah for sure yeah it yeah it's it's not um yeah it's not like man behind the sun or i wouldn't even push it so far as to say it's like henry portrait of a serial killer it's not no it, i guess it has it i guess it kind of has that same uh like uh darkness to it like the yeah. overall like feeling that you're left with when you watch it but uh but yeah you know though the thing i always thought was interesting and i think uh i don't believe we've ever like i said even after seven years and all the different podcasts we've done together i don't think we've ever talked about this but um you know we always again we always talk about the most disturbing films and texas chainsaw massacre often comes up as one of the most disturbing films and one of the things that's strange about that as you and i have discussed in the past like i said i can't recall whether we've done it on air before or not but it's it's not particularly like the the violence isn't visceral you know like you don't really ever see uh, except really for the for when uh leatherface falls down at the end and cuts his own uh leg with the chainsaw yeah. most of the violence is really off screen um well there's you know, the leatherface's you know. introduction scene that's pretty fucked up when uh that guy walks in there and all of a sudden ah boom smash him in the head Right, but if you watch that scene again, and I know you've seen that movie as many times as I have, uh, but if you watch that scene again, it cuts to a reverse angle. So much like the shower scene in Psycho, which we discussed uh, uh, yeah. the last time we were we were on the air, it, it, it it's subliminal. The the, the violence yeah. is suggested, but but the cuts the cuts make it uh, you know very yeah, like you don't you know have, yeah if you want to make a disturbing movie you don't have to go into like a guinea pig territory yeah uh and uh I, I yeah i mean i i liked the first guinea pig movie but that was the only one that i really liked and i'm not i say like it's hard like when you say you like a movie like that it's like 
who's your favorite serial killer? Well, you know, I kind of, you know, I mean, it's 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 a difficult movie I to mean, defend. Well, look um, at him. You said it in its anniversary uh, uh, was a couple of weeks ago. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. That's another one right. that really doesn't have much on-screen violence. Right. And that's the, um, you know, uh, so like I've told you many times before, uh, Abby, my wife, does not care for horror movies. So, you know, when we, I mean, we've been together for 12 years now. And when we first got together, you know, she would sit around and watch, uh, you know, typical relationship when you start out with someone you know her parents were uh very restrictive and my parents were were very permissive so you know i showed her all these movies that she had never seen before in her life including the star wars trilogy if you can believe that but anyway totally separate episode um but uh, we watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer one night. I told her I liked horror movies, and she was like, yeah, I like horror movies, too. I don't think she knew what I was talking about when I said horror movies. She thought I meant, like, Scream or something. You know, she's she's five years younger hey, than I am. So. Scream, was a, scream is the first Scream I will defend because it has a good story, yeah. a good mystery. And it pays off in uh, the end. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying that her, her being yeah. five years young, younger than me, that was her like baseline for a horror movie. And then I put on Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You know, she wasn't yeah. ready for that intensity. But this is this is the point I was making. You said there's not a lot of on-screen violence, and you're right. But at the the opening scene. It it, it oh, pans God, across yeah. all, of, all of all of the dead bodies with the the lifeless dead bodies with the blood and the damage already done, and then they just play the audio of each murder over it, and that yeah. disturbed her more. That disturbed her more than any of the. And again, there's not a lot of on-screen violence in Henry. It's mostly implied, and even even when there is on-screen violence, it's only shown via the videotapes that they're making. So not only are well, they the putting only really uh, on-screen kill is uh, the first time he takes Otis out dry. You know, is uh, the yeah Otis. Let's go out and. Let's go out and take a drive. Ride, drive. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, one where they get the TV and he said, this TV's a piece of shit. Now that guy goes, fuck you. Get out of here. And then they bash the TV over his head and stuff. But see, again, that's a really quick on-screen kill. <laughs> but the next time that that's addressed, it's when... Otis and Henry are back at the house watching the video that they made with the camera. And that's the point oh God, that I was yeah. trying to make is the point that I was trying to make is that uh, I, you know, I think John McNaughton as the director did that as a, as a choice to, to put an extra layer between you and the killers and the victim, you know, because like you said, yeah. and I, 
I agree. There's not a lot of on-screen violence. Most of what you see on screen is Henry and Otis watching videos of the murders that they committed. So it's like you're standing behind the couch, Otis and Henry are on the couch, and the TV's over there, and the murder took place last week. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it, yeah. I think it... I think that's kind of uh, it's what lends itself to why the movie is so disturbing because if you really start thinking about it, you're like, holy shit, you know, like someone could kill my wife, videotape it, steal our VCR, go home, <laughs> you know, yeah. watch videos of themselves yeah. killing my wife. And, or to, you know, uh, with, quote Richard Pryor when John McNaughton showed it to him to try to get help. You know, in fighting the NC, the X rating they give it. Uh, yeah, right. Richard Pryor come out and said, "I just I seen this motherfucker walking down the street." <laughs> and that's really it. You seen guy? I mean, Freddie, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface. You wouldn't seen that motherfucker for real in the real world. Right. <laughs> but Henry, yeah. you've seen motherfuckers like that at least once in your life walking down the street. Uh, I work with a guy, and of course, <laughs> yeah. I, I won't say his I won't say his name uh, on air for uh, for legal reasons. But I work with a guy, and he seems super nice, and you know he's like well-dressed and clean and, you know, nice haircut, clean shaven. You know, he looks like a wicked nice guy, but I just get this fucking vibe from him. Like, I think he probably yeah. knows. I think he, I think he knows what human flesh tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... But yeah, uh, and well, another one that messed me up that doesn't have much on-screen violence and stuff is Let's scare Jessica to death. Yeah, we talked about this briefly uh, a couple weeks ago on on the show. You're talking about the remake, right? There's there's a remake. No, of that the now. original. The night. There's oh, okay. Re- yeah, yeah, the original with uh, you know, that's another one that's like fucks with you. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought, I thought we, I know we talk. See, I always forget. I get so confused because yeah, we talk. Don't worry, we, we don't talk, worry about it, man. But we talk when we're not. We talk when we're not on the air. We talk when we are on the air. And Jesus yeah. Christ, man, mar- marijuana is a hell of a drug. Yeah, <laughs> I actually seen Dune too when it first came out on HBO. It's good, but. It hinges on its payoff. If the second part isn't as good and well acted as the first part, it's going to be a mess. Yeah, and you know what I have to say about that? This is kind of separately removed from the film itself, but um, I don't like this new era of of like two part like you know i guess maybe it, it, it that it, it it's because like when you and i were growing up uh you know it's like there was the star wars trilogy there was the uh indiana jones trilogy 
you know. And even when Star Wars rebooted with the prequels, they did three prequels. And then they jumped to the other yeah. side and they did the, the three other films. When Indiana Jones added a fourth movie, that just pissed me off, man. And when when there's only two movies, like, you know, again, contractually obligated in every episode to mention that Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director, but come on, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, no. I want the whole bloody affair. I can't, oh, there's no yeah. reason yeah, there's no reason for that to be it, too what's fucking What's funny really. is watching Kill Bill volume one by herself, it's a pretty long movie. But watching the whole bloody affair with everything as it is, it flows so smooth. Yeah, and well, you know what really sucks about like, uh, you know, because... I have, I have, obviously, I have both films on Blu-ray, but, uh, so if I decide I'm going to sit down and watch Kill Bill tonight, I put one disc on, I have to sit through fucking trailers for, you know, other stupid shit that Tarantino's promoting, and then the movie starts, all right, cool, I watch volume one, and then it ends, and I stop it, and I put the next disc in, I have to sit through the same fucking trailers that I just sat through on disc one before I can skip through to the menu and watch part two. Yeah, you're right. Obviously. I mean, it was always intended to be one long movie. You know, it was just one of those stupid things where like, I remember the first movie that I ever saw in the theater that had an intermission was Gettysburg. Right. Uh, For me, it was, uh, uh, Bertolucci's The Last Emperor. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I never, I don't think, I, actually, I might have seen that in the theater. My mom was a real film buff when I was growing up. Uh, so yeah. she used to take us, she used to take us to the movies a lot. Of course, back then, when you had a bunch of kids, uh, you know, you could buy a large pizza take everyone to the movies, buy a popcorn and some soda. And, you know, it, that was a night out and it was only like 30 bucks, you know, <laughs> you, you do that, do that nowadays. It'd be like 150. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. But I was actually, yes, I watched well, communist manifesto films in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so I guess that leads to my next uh, question. Are you now, or have you ever been a member of the communist party? No. (laughs) Um, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, like, you know, I, I was originally, uh, you know, I'm from a middle-class family from New Jersey and I went to a liberal New England college and then I, you know, lived in California and I was always a skater kid into punk rock and comic books and cult films and all the shit that we talk about here on the show. But um, I lived in the, I did live down South for a while and uh, a friend of mine, called me up one day and he lived uh he lived down down south and he was like hey uh 
come on down. I, I got a job offer for you. So I was like, all right, I moved down, uh, down to Virginia, which I know isn't as far south oh, as where you God. live. But, but I lived so in Virginia moved, for about four or five years. I don't like to talk about it. It was, uh, <laughs> so I, I have, uh, you know, amongst my varied collectibles, I have a lot of old, like, you know, pins like that you would put on your lapel or whatever. And I have this old one from 1950, which says go reds smash state, which obviously was a, like a, you know, a yippee hippie communist joke pro communist thing back in the sixties. So the first day I was in Virginia, I go walking downtown and, you know, I, I go into this coffee shop and there's this really cute girl in there and I start talking to her and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. We're chatting for a minute and she's like, Oh, I'm about to take my break. Uh, you know, I'll have a cup of coffee with you. So we went outside, we're drinking coffee and she's like, what's that pin all about? And I was like, Oh, it's like a pro. I said, it's like a pro communist thing from the sixties. I'm kind of wearing it ironically. And she was like, where are you from? I was like, well, New Jersey, but I've lived in Maine for quite a while now. And she's like, you better take that off or someone's going to fucking murder you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one of the most Uh, fun things I ever did is me and my cousin answered. This is the kind of shit we would pull. We went Mm -hmm. in, uh, we was at Pizza Hut and they had like the jukebox and it was like in the mid 90s. Right. And one of the songs they had there was uh, Everclear, you know, You Make Me Feel Like a Whore and Things. <laughs> you remember right. that one? Well, they yep. had the, the uh, they had their second single there, too, which was Heart Spark Dollar Sign. <laughs> and you know that one, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Me and my black girlfriend. And I put that on there and looked at all of the angry white males looking around like, Mm -hmm. who the fuck put that shit on my, on the jukebox? (laughs) 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 I mean, they had looks like I'm going to go home and get my shotgun and shoot whoever did that. (laughs) Goddamn motherfucker. Freaking black loving sons of bitches. <laughs> did you ever uh did you ever hear that uh that bit by John Mullaney, the comedian John Mullaney, where he talks about uh when he was in college, there was a bar near his dorm and he and yeah. his roommate would go there and then one night they went down there and they were looking at the jukebox, like you said. And he thought, wouldn't it be funny if I just put what's new pussycat on the jukebox over and over again? So he does. (laughs) Right? But he puts it on like nine times in a row. And he's he's telling the story. I mean, it's one of his bits. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or it's on one of his specials. But... But he, but he talks about how he puts the song on for nine times in a row and he's he and his friend are getting drunk and they've been smoking weed and they're just laughing, trying not to let on that they're the ones that pulled this prank. So it, it goes 
nine times through What's New Pussycat, and then a different song. Everyone's like, oh, thank God. Nope, just another part of the prank. He had programmed nine times for What's New Pussycat, put one different song in the middle, and then nine more <laughs> What's New Pussycats. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I guess the whole the punchline to the story he tell he says the bartender finally came over and just unplugged the jukebox. But here's the thing: because uh-huh. jukeboxes are digital now, when the bartender plugged it back in, and there were already credits, it just continued playing the songs <laughs> that were already paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we uh when when I used to live in Lewiston, um I lived close enough to the bar around around the corner from my house that I could hear the music uh, when they were open at night, and um I had an app on my phone that I had downloaded that was uh I don't think it was particular to this bar, but it happened to work yeah. at this bar, and they had a digital jukebox down there, so. When I went to the the bar, I could just sit down at a table, order a beer, and I could just operate the jukebox from my phone. You know, it, it was already, it just took like, you know, a dollar off every time you picked a song, whatever. It was all prepaid, all preplanned. But I lived close enough to the bar that I could change the music from my house. <laughs> so sometimes in the middle of the night, I'd wake up and people would be partying at the bar and I'd be like, I think they need a little Britney Spears right now. (laughs) And then you could hear every, you could hear everyone at the bar be like, Oh, who the fuck put this shit on? (laughs) Yeah. And before I tell Uh, this uh, story, let it be known that my cousin Anson is uh, six, oh, about six foot tall and was breaking 300 pounds. And what this so, is part, this is the lead in part. This is one time we were at a, a wrestling show. And so this one guy, I mean, this giant, big muscular motherfucker hit, you know, slapped Anson in the chest because he knew he could take it and didn't even move him a fucking inch. So he would come up right. here, and we would every time that we drove by someone who was standing outside their truck with the rebel flag, we would put uh-huh. on ICPs. Fuck your rebel flag! Fuck your rebel <laughs> flag! Oh, you should see the evil looks we would get, and we would just like wave at him. Hi. <laughs> uh, well, a girl, yeah, you know. a girl, a girl that I dated. I mean, well, heck, I've been married for twelve years now. So, and I think, I think there was another girl between the one I'm thinking of now and my wife. But anyway, uh, I dated this girl, and uh, she and I used to go to the dollar store, and we'd yeah. buy all those, we'd buy all those like dollar bumper stickers. And then we'd mm-hmm. go out into into the parking lot and look for cars that had offensive bumper stickers <laughs> and, yeah. and stick <laughs> stick some of the stick stick one of those dollar store bumper stickers on over it. 
uh, my favorite one. We found this at every dollar store. It was uh-huh. okay. So it, it had a picture of a, of a handgun on it, and it said "protected by." It was supposed to say Smith and Wesson, obviously handgun yeah. manufacturer. But I don't think they were allowed to secure the legal rights. So it said something like protected by Smith and Wesson. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, a, like a slight. So whenever we saw someone out there that was like, you know, you can take my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. We'd put protected by Smith and Wesson right next to it. <laughs> uh-huh. uh. All right, I gotta go. I gotta go grab a soda and uh, take a bathroom break. I'll be back in three minutes. So entertain the crowd. You gotta. You got a tight five. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll be, take care of it. I'll be right back. I got uh, some movies I want to talk. I got some movies I want to talk about when I come back. So I'll be okay. right back. Welcome to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season. Watch our screen and local newspapers for all the fine shows coming this way. Show after show will feature the latest hits, the biggest stars for fun-filled, pleasure-packed evenings. Relax, come as you are, and spend an enjoyable night out with the entire family. No parking problems, no babysitting problems. And there are always tasty snacks at our modern refreshment stand. Thanks, folks. And once again, welcome back. On Saturday, six members of the gang known as Street Thunder were ambushed by the police. On Sunday, the warlords of Street Thunder swore a blood oath to avenge their dead. Assault on Precinct 13. It's war in the streets. It's terror in the night. It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. Assault on Precinct 13. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. The fate of the world was decided that day. Nine minutes before countdown. Nine minutes. See the day the earth caught fire. The most astounding motion picture in years. It's the unbelievable come true. The incredible become real. The impossible become fact. The day the earth caught fire. They floated like giants in the dark mystery of time and space. Unholy overlords with their fiendish diabolical mind machine. Fantastic invasion of planet Earth. A mind-bending voyage in 3D. Fantastic invasion of planet Earth. A thrilling science fiction adventure in widescreen 3D space vision. Fantastic invasion of planet Earth. Rated PG. Don't miss it. Guess what? Guess what would taste good right now to everyone in the car? Candy. We've got your favorite kind at the concession stand. Come on down and pick out the kinds you want to enjoy during the rest of the show. 
be sure to get plenty because everyone likes candy, and our big variety is chosen to please everybody's taste. Prejudiced opinion. Here is what the noted author and naturalist has to say about Alice Cooper's latest movie. Ever read a movie? Many parts are readable. I call good to see you again, Alice Cooper. My back to nature movie. It's natural. A good taste reminds me of wild hickory nuts. See some rather unnatural acts in Good to See You Again, Alice Cooper, the film that outgrosses them all. Rated BG. And that's now showing exclusively at the Center One Theater downtown. There are matinees every day. about to witness the takeoff of the first manned rocket to outer space. We pick up the count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. We're off to visit the planet. There are treats galore in the sky. Venus is loaded with candy. And ice cream is found upon Mars. The soda pops isn't on Saturn. When you're thirsty, it's sure it's hot. And Jupiter's really jumping. You pop on this butter and pop. But the best of them all is the planet. Where all of these treats are at hand. Yes, and why do you think that? <laughs> About what? Your cat was going. Oh yeah, yeah. When I went to the bathroom and went, I went to the bathroom and then I went to grab a soda and she followed me from the bathroom to the kitchen and then she went and sat by the door. Uh, So for again, for those of you who don't know necessarily, uh, my cat is mostly deaf and blind she's 18 years old so we let her go outside but only when either abby or i can go outside with her because she won't go that far anyway she just likes to step step out on the front door and you know step out of the front door and just sit there in the sun and chill out on the grass and stuff so she doesn't really go that far but but uh but yeah so when we're in the house and we start moving around, she'll just go and sit by the door because she knows the only chance she's going to have to go outside is if one of us goes out with her, you know? So like, so I got up and went to the bathroom and went to the kitchen and got a soda and she sat, she was sitting there by the door and I just walked back and came back into, to record. And she's, uh, she's wandering around like, hello, did you not see me sitting by the door? I uh, think it's pretty obvious I wanted to go out, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, so um, so here's a movie that I watched recently that uh, I don't know. Have you seen Rent a Pal? Have you watched that movie? No. What's that? Okay, so um, it's this kind of really like it's kind of a cool flick. It's from last year. Uh, I just, I think it, it must've just shown up on Netflix uh, or something. Uh, You know, again, we talk about this all the time. I have, Oh, I think it was on Hulu. Uh, We both have so many friggin' streaming services that we can't keep up with it. But um, 
so uh, the whole story is this this guy um, uh, he's trying I don't know if it's supposed to take place in the 80s but it's definitely VHS centric um, and you know what what you know people a lot of people don't remember people who are younger than you and I but remember there used to be dating services but unlike nowadays where you can just go on your phone or your computer you used to have to go to the place and make a VHS tape and sign up and then they would exchange tapes based on what who they thought you might be interested in and it was almost like a video store you would bring the tape back <laughs> when you were done with it and, you know, uh-huh. decide whether or not you wanted to contact the person. Um, so this movie is about a, a, a character who uh, he lives with his, he's in his forties and he lives with his mother because she, uh, she suffers from dementia. Uh, he has, he's, he's successful at his job. You know, he's just kind of shy and, feels like he has a lot of responsibility to his mom. So he signs up for this dating site and uh, <laughs> he goes there one night and kind of like a comic book guy on the Simpsons, there's like a bunch of discount tapes in, <laughs> in one of the bins and he just takes a bunch of them and starts watching them. And where the rent-a-pal thing comes in is that, uh, and Will Wheaton actually plays the pal, the guy who's on the videotape, uh, Will Wheaton of Star Trek fame. Of course, we all know him, but um, Fuck Will Wesley Wheaton. Crusher. <laughs> yes. So, um, so the guy pops the tape in and there's, there's Wesley Crusher. And he's like, uh, hey, how are you? You know, my name's. I can't remember what his name. My name's Dave. Uh, you know, nice to meet you. You know, tell me about yourself. And then he just sits there motionless. And then a little while later, he's like, very interesting. Tell me more. And then he just sits there silently. Well, as the movie unfolds, it turns into this bizarre psychological drama where the the main character has watched the videotape so many times that he knows the questions that are going to be asked. And he starts interacting with this videotape in this very, like, like I said, it's like a bizarre psychological horror movie. Like you literally get to see this guy lose his mind, you know, (laughs) trying to, you know, like, and like I said, the further, the more often, Times he watches the tape, the further down the rabbit hole he goes, and it, it was a really well done film. I have never heard of the director before, John Stevenson. Um, I he's I, I guess his first movie came out in 2014. I had never heard of him before, but I mean, he must apparently have at least some like B grade Hollywood clout if he got Will Wheaton in his movie. You know, I mean, he's got he must be known for something. Yeah, I see some other movies. I see some other movies of his on here. Um, I'm sorry, I can't think of that renegade without thinking of that one bit from uh, Singles, where the girl <laughs> goes there, and the one who does the video is uh, Kim Burton. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, again, we've we we have been talking about it, and uh, I can't I can't uh, I can't make a full declare declaration yet because I have not seen the French Dispatch, which I'm very much looking forward to, and I have not seen um, Last Night in Soho, which I'm very much looking forward to. So. I can't make a definitive decision yet, but well, I so did... far, honestly, I've only seen two opinions of it. One is I love it, I love its atmosphere, I love it. Another one, God damn it, that last twenty minutes pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it it'll be interesting to see, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I I like I like Edgar Wright, and I think he's he's really uh, he's a really great director. But I've I guess from what I've heard so far is that you know his usual frenetic direction with the quick cuts and close ups is gone this time. He's trying to do something a little more. Uh, even just by, uh, actually Vicky and I were talking about this, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, just, just by looking at it, you can tell he's going more for like a giallo, uh, giallo look, you know, like more like, uh, yeah. you know, it, it looks like he's, or, or, or maybe he's going more for like an eighties look. I don't know. Like, um, no, he said it in Soho you know, in the sixties. Yeah. But still, like, I mean, like, Drive, you know, uh, again, going back as far as we've been doing this, this show together, uh, you know, we, we talked about Drive as one of our favorite films the year it came out. And that movie is set in kind of a nebulous time frame. Like, it's not really, it's not really you know, you don't really know when it's supposed to take place, but it definitely has that 80s Michael Mann vibe to it, you know. Um, so, it, it, but, it, you know what I mean? But, and they do have cell phones, but they're like those little flip phones with the antenna that you have to pull out. So, you know. Oh, but then, the um, early night, that was a 90s thing. But then what was the, what was the next, uh, what was the next movie of his? Was it Neon Demon? No, that wasn't. No, no that it wasn't was him. Only God Forgives, uh, his Joe Worski film. Yeah, Only God Forgives. And yeah, you and I actually got into a little, I shouldn't say disagreement. We just always talk about movies. We Some of us like others more, you know. But, um, but you and I did talk about that because I... I didn't like it as much as Drive. I felt like I, I felt like it was kind of, you know, Sean Timms and I talk about this a lot about how we like a movie with a slow burn, and Drive has a nice slow burn. And you know, when the violence happens, it happens suddenly and not unexpectedly, but just. Suddenly, you know, like you feel the tension building. I think a lot of that has to do with the soundtrack, um, you know, like the the keyboard sounds that that are yeah, 
in drive, they kind of like push the, the narrative forward. You know, they're very, yeah. uh, j- j- just the tone kind of keeps you on edge the whole time, you know? Um, well, only God so. forgives has one of my favorite fight scenes of all time because, uh, when, uh, his character, the main guy challenges that cop to a fight, you're expecting a fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> what you get is an ass whipping. He just wipes the floor with him. I mean, I knew he. I knew that uh, the main guy was fucked when he goes up to the guy and goes, "Want to fight?" And then all the other cops around him go, "Look at him like, you what the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I I think where you and I, where you and I met in the middle with only God forgives is that we both agree that as overall as as moderately disturbing as it is, the ending is a happy ending. Uh, you know. Yeah. It, it's not it's not what you would refer to as a typical happy ending. I mean, no. you can describe it. You can describe it better than I can. You, you, you have a, you have a deeper understanding of it. But what I mean, why well, what do you, why the, do you? Well, what it is is uh, the the cop is supposed to be God, and the way he forgives is, you know, if thine hand offends thee, pop, he chops, you know, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And uh, the main character is just standing there at the end with all in his face, holding his hands out, both of them. And then the cop just walks up to him and it just cuts from there. Yeah. And, um, you know, some movies can leave you with an ambiguous ending and you know, just piss you off. Like, um, this isn't a movie, but, um, when lost first aired on television, you know, it was a week by week thing. The internet wasn't in full swing the way it is now where you could just miss an episode. Well, and it was, and, uh, and, well, it did have all the internet hype. People are like, I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, are they, and then basically with the third episode, people are like, are they in limbo? And the creator's like, no, yeah, no, 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 they're not in limbo, man. Just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, man. Come on, true to me. Just wait, just wait. Uh, that's, and, but that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, there was a lot of internet hype around it, but what I'm saying is there weren't the streaming services like we have now. Like, like if, yeah. if, if you if, if you don't like if I don't watch The Walking Dead tonight, I can just get up tomorrow morning. I have seven different streaming services. It's the tonight's episode is going to be on one of them. You know what I mean? So, but uh, so back then, you know, like we had to watch it when it was on, and so like my then girlfriend and I would make it, you know, it was like a date night, you know, Wednesday night. Let's order a pizza. We actually lived across the street from the best 
fucking sandwich shop in town at the time. So we would just go over there, get some sandwiches, ooh, some chips and some beers, and then we'd watch Lost. Well, when the when season one came to an end, it ended so abruptly. I literally was like, "Really? That's it? Now I have to wait six months for another friggin' episode of this show." I probably should have given up then, but then DVD box sets became very popular. So I just stopped watching it while it was on the air and just waited till every season ended. And then I just went and bought the the next season and watched it all. Yeah, and then it really it. started getting stupid when they would like show half a season. Yeah. And then make you wait six months to watch the other half. What? Yeah. I yeah, never I know. understood when, that. When, when, did, the when, walking, did, when did that start? Well, the, the 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 mid, they call it the mid-season finale. When the yeah. fuck did that start? Mid-season it finale. It was the early 90s when you would see shows like, all of the shows would be like, okay, the winter finale. And then you would have to wait until the spring and then. Then you'll, you know, that was a yeah, mid-90s and then, and then, thing. Then they take the summer off, and then they come back for... I love I love how, like, uh, I, I always thought this was funny. I don't know. I, I assume that, uh, you know, school was the same where you grew up. But uh, I always loved how at the end of summer, we would go back to school for, like, four days, and then we and then there was a holiday. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what, what's, what, what's the first holiday in like, uh, uh, September? Is it, is that Columbus day? The, the, or, no, or was la- it, la- uh, Labor Day, September. Well, we wouldn't go so, back to school until after Labor Day. No, see, that's the point I'm making is, yeah, we would have to go back to school for a week and then we'd have a three day weekend. <laughs> yeah, like uh-huh. there was no sense to it. Uh, so that's one of the funniest yeah. things about the uh, mutilator. You remember what its original title was? No, fall break, and there was no fucking thing as fall break. <laughs> I mean, just think of the logic of it back then. Okay, I just got to college, so now what I'm going to do? I'm going on a fall break. What? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh, and Must yes, be, it's goofy. Yeah. Yes, that's maybe the goofiest gore slasher I've ever seen in a good way. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, uh, oh, uh, yeah. I guess I I kind of like the '80s slasher flicks where <laughs> the villain is is intimidating, but the the kids are like super nerds. I know that sounds like a blanket description of every '80s slasher film, but it's not. There are lots of 80s slasher films where there are likable characters. I like the 80s slasher films where no one is likable, you know? 
and you're just rooting for the yeah. villain the entire time. You're just like, yeah, kill that idiot. Oh my gosh, he has an afro and he's wearing short shorts. Just get him. Just get him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, just like, hey, they're all douchebags. We can just enjoy them get killed. Let's see. Uh, Slaughter High was good for that. Yeah, yeah, Slaughter High is a good one, yeah. Uh, but oh, um, another, oh, were you still talking about it? No, go ahead. Slaughter, oh, I was just going to say, uh, another movie that I watched recently, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, I'm not sure if it would be like on your radar right off the top, but you would like it if you watched it, um, it's called, uh, uh oh excuse me for mad men only uh it's a documentary about del close and um for those of you who don't know huh hold hold sold s-o-l-d oh yeah yeah for mad men you got all i heard was blah 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 del close sold Boom. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a documentary about Del Close, and for those of you who don't know or aren't as enthusiastic about it as uh, Stephen and I, uh, Del Close was uh, was pretty much he pretty much invented uh, improv comedy. Uh, he was a poet and uh, a playwright and. It came to him as an idea one time, you know, what if we had a theater space and we could all just get together and we'd do a scripted show earlier in the night. And then after hours, we'll just, whoever wants to hang around gets on stage and basically invented what we think of as modern improv, um, where, you Did know, you ever the read Dale's comic that, that DC put out in the 90s where he would just tell stories about him and just different stories that he wrote? Yes. Uh, I actually have a box set of that. Uh, that was like they, they, they did this. They put like all of the issues together in like two hardcover books and put it out. Um, <laughs> all I can think uh, – all, all I can think is Watchmen, but that's not it, obviously. Uh, what the heck was it called? Uh, I forget what it was called, but I can remember that one story of his where he talked about him and his friend getting stoned on acid and going down to the New York sewers and hunting down rats while stoned on acid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's... And that's the great thing about this documentary. Okay, uh, that's the great thing about this documentary. If uh, if you're not familiar with Del Close, you will be as soon as you start watching this. If you're a fan of comedy, not only did he, you know, kind of invent the idea of improv, he was a he was a huge part of uh, Second City out of Chicago, uh, where a lot of improvisers got started who eventually went on to uh saturday night live after that he moved up to canada where he worked with a bunch of comedians who would also become famous on saturday night live i mean this guy was a kingmaker. if he took an interest in you as an actor or a comedian 
you basically became famous. And sadly, like most of these documentaries, he died kind of broken alone. But, you know, uh, and, but yeah, he was yeah. a writer oh, on Saturday. Uh, he, was, uh, yeah, he was a writer on what? Saturday Night Live. Uh, and... Documentaries popped up on uh, Arrow. It popped up on the first. And I was shocked. But I'm glad that more people will get to see it. What's that, shock? That, no, that sexploitation showed up on Arrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, I own the DVD of it, but those of you who haven't seen it need to watch it just to watch... Uh, damn it, what's his name? The guy who did A Taste of Honey. Who was H.G. Uh, yeah, Lewis's partner? Uh yeah, Dave Dave Friedman. Dave Friedman, yeah. It yeah. was filmed uh if you know the two people in Tar it's kinda hard to watch because it was uh, one of those movies where uh, Frank Hindenlotter I asked him when he was on the show, he said, Yeah, we made that sexploitation because we knew that uh he was dying soon and they wanted to get something else on film with uh Friedman. Yeah, but you know, I I mean, I you know, you and I both know Frank. He's a wicked nice guy and he's done a lot for the, you know, the cult film exploitation uh, you know, uh over the years uh, you know, our cult. But uh yeah, I, I don't think he meant I don't think he meant that like you know, t- like in a callous way. I think he really I think he meant it in like a I want to you know, I love this guy. I respect him. I want to do one more project with him if I can, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was the last thing Mike Barney did. Yeah. Right. Before he died. Yeah. And if you can watch the movie without knowing that and that Paul are singing around, it's good. But if you do know that fact, kind of sad. Yeah, um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it was kind of, I, I kind of forgot how quickly, uh, yeah, how quickly it was between when David Friedman passed away and when Mike Verney passed away. Um, I'm still friends with Lisa from Something Weird video and, you know, but, uh, she's super busy she's super busy right now with all of her writing and uh so and her artwork you know so uh lisa uh how do you pronounce her last name Petrucci? Petrucci. yeah Petrucci. Petrucci. yeah anyone out there anyone out there who doesn't know uh yeah she's your point of contact for uh something weird video she's a great uh artist and she keeps uh the spirit of mike and uh and you know, I'm sure that I I haven't spoken to Frank uh, or Johnny Legend for a while, but I'm sure they're still involved with something weird video to in, in some capacity. Um, yeah, uh, I I believe that something weird is now on. Uh, they I don't believe that they mass produce anymore. I think you it, no. If you go on the website, you can order. And they'll they'll just make a copy of the of a DVD or a Blu-ray for you. But yeah, they also have. Yeah, it's what have, they got uh, in stock. Once they sold out of what 
in stock of the website, that's going to be it. Yeah. But they do sell but, a lot of their stuff to other distributors, distributors and stuff. Yeah, up here in New England, we have uh, Bull Moose Records, which I've mentioned on the air before. Not that I'm trying to get, uh, you know, not that I'm trying to get like paid or anything. <laughs> uh, or but, uh, free yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, or get free shit. But uh, yeah, um, Bull Moose Records. There's several locations up here in Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, and uh, there. They always stock something weird video, uh, uh, all, all, all the new, the, whatever the newest stuff they can get, especially this time of year. When Halloween rolls around, they, they'll buy yeah. like every, every something weird video that's available and, and I end up wandering in there and they sell them for like, you know, $5 a piece, you know, just for a DVD and, I end. I still end up going in there and spending five hundred dollars. Fucking bastards! They get me every time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they know. That's how they're I felt like, about the the <laughs> Amazon's Halloween sale that they used to have. They would always have a right. shitload of something weird for five bucks, and I didn't even know what the hell I was getting. I was just like, something weird. Bye, 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 bye. Exactly. That's what happens to me too. It's like, I'm just so obsessed with something weird video that I don't even care. Like anytime I see it, especially, uh, I've mentioned this before. Uh, there, there are a couple of secondhand stores downtown. I don't know if you call them thrift stores, whatever. They sell books, comic books, magazines, records, VHS tapes, you know, old vintage action figures that have been yeah. torn out of the box and, you know, just stuck. They, they pile them in a banana crate and you can dig through them and maybe find something that you want. But anyway, uh, yeah, they have something weird video on VHS there all the time. And I, like you said, I don't even know what I'm getting. I just see the something weird video logo oh, and I'm like, and <laughs> for those, all of us, uh, hard sale collectors, Yes, this week starts what is pretty much for our hard sale collectors if we got money, which is our Nirvana sale, which is the Barnes and Noble fifty percent off Criterion sale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can get the hundred and fifty dollar Godzilla set for sixty eight bucks. I highly doubt there's any Godzilla movie that I don't already own. Yeah. For crying out loud, for crying out loud, my my record label is called Gigantic Monster Records. I I was in a band called Mothra. I think you know where my alliances lie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you've already got the Showa era Septarian. Yeah, I uh, I think the only Criterion. Godzilla movie that I have is the original Godzilla King of Monsters. I think all the rest of it that I have is just uh, either on old VHS, DVD, or Blu-ray, but I am pretty sure with the exception of the Roland Emmerich Godzilla film, which is a piece of crap, and I don't have Godzilla versus Kong, the new one, uh, but other than that, I'm pretty sure I have not just every Godzilla movie, I'm pretty sure I have like Every Mothra movie, uh, yeah. oof, uh, Destroy All Monsters, which has them all together. Um, 
I guess I never, I, I, I was just noticing the other day when I was doing some research for an article that I've been writing that there, I guess it, 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 in this, uh, in this post Godzilla, like reboot era, they made like some new Ghidra movies and stuff like standalone movies, which were not affiliated or part of canon with what we're doing with the American Godzilla films now, but they were uh, produced with the with the uh, with the help of Toho because uh, because of the success of the 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 first new Godzilla movie or what was perceived yeah. success that movie that movie was kind of boring as shit but <laughs> which one the 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 first new Godzilla reboot. Uh, What's his name? The guy who directed uh, Monsters. Uh, the one that had Brian Cranston in it. Oh, yeah. That one was okay. But it did it, give me one of the funniest Mimi lines. <laughs> yeah. Which is when the, the, the Muto gave the, the female Muto a nuclear missile. Right. I was like, yeah, baby. Buy them bitches nuclear missiles. Bitches love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> bitches love it. Yeah. No, I just thought, uh, I, 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 you know, I've I've always been a big fan of the of the gigantic monster franchises, but um, what I dislike about these new films, uh, okay, first of all, the Godzilla with Brian Cranston uh, does not have much Godzilla in it. Yeah, but that's not get... really why it sucks. It needed more Brian Cranston in it. Yeah, that's not that's not untrue. You know, uh, I'm a big fan. Obviously, like like everyone, I I can't stop talking about how good Breaking Bad is, Stephen. Breaking Bad is the best show that no one's watching. Why aren't you watching Breaking Bad, Stephen? Are you not watching um, Breaking Bad? <laughs> yeah, I'm up, uh, I'm up to season three on it. <laughs> well, after that, you should watch The Wire, Stephen. I'll never uh, talk. Gus Fearig. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like The Wire, but I do love, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, and I can tell you exactly that I can actually remember it happened was Oz. When they did that weird weird split season, uh, I forget which one it was, season four. I think it was either three or four, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was even more perplexing because, uh, you know, we were just talking earlier about, uh, you know, all the different streaming services that we now have access to. But back when Oz was a big hit show, uh, you know, it was specific to HBO like they there were there were no streaming services there was no other way to watch it unless you tuned in to watch it so they take it off the air for half a year like what the heck's that all about yeah I you know I don't know I think it was one of those is like okay we're gonna cancel the show 
and he's like, okay, could you take off half of the year of season three so we can re- retool it, to give it, give the show a proper ending? Sure. No, it was season four because season four is the one that ended with uh, the prison blowing up. Right. Yeah, right. And then it did so good ratings. They're like, okay, we're going to give you two more seasons. What? Blew the prison up. Yeah, you can run with that, can't you? We blew the motherfucker up. Oh, don't worry. We'll find some way around that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> but then yeah. by the time that season five of Oz came around, the Sopranos became the darling. Yeah, uh, yeah, it went from The Wire to Sopranos to the, yeah, uh, from, yeah, yeah, from, yeah. Well, Six Feet Under, I think, was their first real big stab at trying something crazy, uh, like a long-form drama show like that that they produced no, on their Oz own. No, Oz was the first. Oz was the first one that they produced on their own. No, it was the 80s. The first one they produced was uh, Dream On, uh, First and Ten. Oh, yeah. Dream On, I First and about- Ten. Yeah. I forgot about Dream On, but like I said, that was that was only like a half hour comedy. I was talking more about uh, what we think about when we think of quote bingeable TV nowadays. When H- HBO really kind of launched that uh, that movement, and they did that with more like lo- like with long form drama. Uh, they uh, well, did. Then Oz was the first, right? Yeah, because they they you're right. I forgot that they did do Dream On and uh didn't they this might have this might be a lot earlier, but uh HBO took over Kids in the Hall at one point, right? Like didn't Yeah, didn't they HBO did. have No, Kids in the Hall started on HBO. Right. And yeah. And anyone who doesn't know, SCTV, uh, NBC uh, canceled SCTV. They did one more season on HBO. Hmm. Well, you know what? That goes back to what we were talking about earlier, ironically enough, because we were talking about Del Close and he was heavily involved in SCTV and developing a lot of the talent that came out of there, like uh, John Candy and uh, yeah, uh, John Candy, Rick, Rick Moranis, Rick, uh, Rick Moranis. Uh, oh, who am I? Who am I thinking of? Uh, the guy. He's on Shit's Creek now. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, Eugene Levy. Uh, Eugene Levy, yes, thank you. Uh, embarrassing. Their first Marijuana. big thing yeah. to come out of Marijuana. SCTV was uh, Doug and Bob McKenzie, and they got a Christmas album and uh, Strange Brew, the movie. 
Yeah, Strange Brew was yeah, and again, Del Close was involved uh in, in the production of that. Um yeah, uh yeah, Strange Brew is uh is 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 a kind of a funny uh it, it, obviously it's a funny movie, but the one of the funny things about it is it it's it's a movie like This is Spinal Tap where it kind of changed the direction that people thought about, you know, comedy that comedy could go in. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the Del Close influence and improvisation, you know, like, yeah, I know, I know there are a lot of directors. Uh, I was just watching an interview with Kevin Smith the other day and he was oh, saying how about that uh, documentary on Kevin Smith that's coming out clerk. It's called. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen anything about it, actually. Yeah, there's a trailer out. All right. I'll get you the trailer (laughs) after the show. It's just called, it's Clerk, and it's it's like a documentary on Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, I see it right here on, uh, I just Googled it. I can see the trailer right here. I'll watch it after the show's over. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I like Kevin Smith. I think he's, uh, you know, his movies are hit or miss for me. I do like, I think, you know, he's funny and I do like a lot of his stuff. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like he, you know, and even he admits it himself, you know, he just goes back to the well whenever he has a movie that flops. Yeah, he's like, that's well, I'll the just, only I'll reason just, why I don't like his stuff, but... What's his name? The guy who did the Prince, uh, Wes Anderson? Yeah. He makes movies that he wants to see. He don't give a fuck what his fans want. If you right. understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way, you know, again, like, you know, we always talk about it, but I kind of feel the same way about Quentin Tarantino. Like, you know. Oh, he, he definitely does. You know, he just makes whatever fucking movie he wants. And. That one of the reasons why I first fell in love with Kevin Smith is because he did do independent films with his friends, and he was like, "I don't give a shit what you want to see. This is what I want to do." But then, as soon as he had one flop, he was like, "Okay, Jay and Silent Bob from now until I die." Well, well then he started smoking this. <laughs> as good as it is, people forget that Mallrats was a horrible. Flop when it came out. Yeah, yeah. I I I think Mallrats has a lot of really good jokes in it, but uh, and and I I see what he was going for with it. He definitely that you know he was definitely going for like a John Hughes feel, like an eighties sex comedy kind of thing, you know. Well, I which understand I get that, what he was know. doing. I mean, it happens with uh, any director. You have a point where. Be bigger or get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. But, I mean, it it does have some landmark, uh, you know, moments in it. For instance, it's the first film that starred Ben Affleck, uh, you know, so he, so that, for better or for worse, we got Ben Affleck out of it. Um, And, um you know, it had the return of Michael Rooker, who we were also talking about earlier with the Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. He hadn't been yeah. on any 
I mean, he hadn't been in any movies that had an actual, you know, studio logo in front of them for a long time. You know, that was like a Paramount picture. Clerks, or uh, uh, Mall Rats, rather, I think was released on Paramount. But you know what I mean? Uh, no, Universal <laughs> uh, did it. And plus, Universal, yeah. And plus, Mall Rats had one of the goofiest fucking posters I have ever seen for a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. The magic eye poster. If you're a key, I remember right. what it is. It's like it's 3D picture, but you have to look at it a certain way to make the picture appear. Yeah, and I think it had something to do with like color balance because when those magic eye posters and books were popular you know, I would look at them sometimes and some pictures I could see, some pictures I could see right away. Some, it would take me a little bit longer to focus on and others I could just never see no matter how long I stared at them. And I, well, I think it had something I'm, to do with like, co- color belts. Right. Well, all I had to do is take off my glasses and it was just like, Oh, I see it now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, Abby and I have been talking about eyesight lately because uh yeah. I have to take like uh she, she's been doing a lot of needlepoint lately in her spare time just, you know, for fun and yeah. to make Christmas presents and stuff and she has to take her glasses off so she can see the needlepoint close enough. <laughs> she's like, "Yep, I'm have to take yeah. my glasses off years old to to do needlepoint." I'm like, but "Dude, this yeah. Uh, well, this topic I, I said, is uh, one that we really do need to get into more in depth in another show, which is when it's kind of mean is uh, when directors get to the point where you either do bigger films or you just, boom, get knocked out of the box. Or, you know, I mean, you make a decision like, you know, we were talking about that. Okay, so, like, both Tarantino and Kevin Smith have been blessed. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, those guys just go somewhere with a script, and whatever nonsense it is, it gets made. I mean, look, fucking yoga hosers, are we even pretending that that's, like, a thing? That's, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And, again, I say this with all due respect. I I don't like to admit that exists because I purposely have avoided it. (laughs) It, It's a terrible film, but I get it, you know? I mean, whatever. Kevin Smith does what Kevin Smith is going to do. But, but again... uh, Yeah, with nine minutes, let's bring out what's your opinion just based on the cast and the cast photo of Rob Zombie's The Month um you know I I again Rob Zombie is another one of those directors who's been kind of blessed with the ability to just make whatever kind of film he wants to make and you know I think some of his movies have been a little over the top in the gore department, like you and I were talking about earlier, like his gore just for gore's sake, you know, like he, he emulates the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but he'd rather show the blood and guts than 
leave it to your imagination, which, you know, anyway, again, a separate conversation. Well, if the original but, cut of House of a Thousand Corpses would have come out, it would definitely be exposed for more of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff that oh, yeah. it didn't I mean, end up no, doing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt that yeah. But anyway, uh yeah, so so as you say, um I, I do I do like his films. He has a nice aesthetic and I do think that the 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 still photos from the monsters looks good and uh, I just uh, is he going to take it seriously? Is this is this going to be a gritty reboot? Like there's, I hope not, because Daniel Roebuck looks good as Grandpa. Right? Yeah. And, and it, you know, I mean, uh, you know what I would love to see, Stephen? I would love to see Rob Zombie go so old school that he even puts a fucking laugh track in this movie. Like black and white, black and white with a laugh track, you know, that would be, he, he could see, he, then he could make it really like gory and disturbing, but like, you know, well, we were talking about natural born killers earlier, like, you know, the scene where, uh, where, uh, Woody Harrelson delivers the dog food, uh, and you the know, and, and, yeah, and all you yeah, see the is like meat. rocks yeah. in the bag. And, and, and Rodney Dangerfield is, is, you know, molesting his daughter, but there's like a laugh track going on the whole time, you know, yeah. which, what, like, wouldn't it be great if Rob Zombie did a Munsters movie like that, where it's like super violent and disturbing, but it's all in black and white and there's a laugh track. <laughs> like, I would love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... I really looked at all the films that are coming out in November and December, and it just seems like there's no really nothing that I really give a shit about. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, the next couple of, well, of course, I mentioned earlier that, um, uh, of course, I want to see the French Dispatch. I'm a big fan of Wes Anderson, yeah. and she's my, you know, uh, he's my wife's favorite director. So I want to check that yeah, out. Yeah, came I want, out I, uh, and went wide in the last week of October. Yeah, well, you know, some I'm of us have day jobs. November <laughs> and December. You know, I've looked. Yeah, well, like, I was. Okay, well, I well, yeah. I was going to I wasn't finished yet. I was going to say last night in Soho and uh the French Dispatch, I I haven't seen yet. Those I want to see, but what movies I'm looking forward to uh Titan, have you heard of that? Um it came out earlier It came yeah. out earlier this year, but it's just now in wide release. It was kind of like an under the radar uh it was kind of an under the radar like independent to me sci-fi. what I know about Titan it's what if David Cronenberg made crash but he actually had the girl fuck a car <laughs> right uh I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, joking but, man 
yeah, no, I, if anyone hasn't seen the trailer, just watch it because yeah, uh, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, mysterious crimes, uh, sex with cars. Um, yeah. So that's one that I'm interested in, uh, before the year's over. And, uh, the only uh, one that I what, know that I'm probably going to see this month is uh, towards the end of the month, uh, Central Cinema is going to be showing the original Django with uh, Franco Nero. Django! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd go see that on the big screen. Um, I, You know... The, those spaghetti westerns look so good on the big screen especially like now i don't know like around here i've told you before we even talked about this earlier in the show um you you know we have like movie theaters up here that do second run and they have the ability to either play blu-ray dvd or 35 millimeter there's only one theater that can play 70 millimeter but it's rare for them to to, to bring a 70 millimeter print because they have to have them transported from like New York city or Boston up here. And it costs more than it's worth for them to, to get it shipped up here, you know? So, um, yeah, so we don't always get to see the best, uh, we, you know, we get to see good movies, but we don't get to see the, uh, yeah. You know, we don't get to see the best prints. Um, so another movie that I'm really excited about that I haven't seen yet this year, uh, Prisoners of Ghostland, uh, with Nicolas Cage oh. and, dun, 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 and Bill Mosley. Yeah, that have you, one have you, have is, have, I'm going to watch it when it comes on Shudder in three weeks. Right. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a crazy movie. I have not seen it, but it's got Nicolas Cage, Bill Mosley, and the previews look amazing. So, Prisoners of Ghostland, that's and my... I'm joking. So, yeah, so... Uh, I've looked at uh, the screening schedule of what's going to be on Shutter this month. And, yes, yep. uh, close to Thanksgiving, Prisoners of the Wasteland is going to be exclusively showing... On Shutter. Nice. Well, we have Shutter subscriptions, and if you don't have a Shutter subscription, you should get one. And if people who work at Shutter are listening right now, I'm not just saying that so you might give me a free year subscription. <laughs> yeah, we don't give blowjobs to Arrow and Shutter because we want free shit. We do it because. If you're lo- if you're low money, you can get both of them for under twenty bucks a month, and they put out good shit. Yeah, if, especially yeah, if you're a fan of of the type of movies that we talk about here on the show, cult films and uh, horror films, uh, sci-fi. Yeah, Shutter is a good deal. Anchor is a good deal. Um, yeah. We, uh, of course, we subscribe to the regular, uh, you know, the, you know, Hulu and Amazon Prime and Netflix, just like everyone else does. But we're trying to shine a little bit of light on some of the smaller venues. Uh, you can get subscriptions starting for as little as like eight bucks a month. Uh, 
it it might not give you 100% full content, but that's not a lot to spend for some of the best horror movies and horror TV shows and cult movies and, and stuff. And plus, uh, if you have a podcast, and if you do podcasts and you like and you want to do or like to do live watches, having a having a subscription to Channels where you can like say, oh, I'm going to do a live watch of this. And I don't, and you don't want to deal with commercials. Yep. Right. And you don't have to deal with commercials here on the sexploitation conflagration, except for in the last three minutes of the show, when we do a show, (laughs) when we do a commercial ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, uh, (laughs) I, what's this comedy fest that you're going to be upcoming in the next few weeks if you live in your area? Yes, the Bricks and Bridges Comedy Festival. It is the largest uh, comedy festival here in southern Maine. Uh, it's a it's a, a four-day festival. Uh, let's see. Uh, looking up the schedule right now so everyone can find out about it. Uh, so we have a four-day festival here, and it's, like I said, the biggest comedy festival in southern Maine. And for some reason, I can't bring up the festival schedule here. Um which is ridiculous because I've been promoting it like hell on my Facebook page. So it should be here. Oh, uh, what? Day? All right. So, okay, go ahead. Okay. So the Bricks and Bridges Comedy Festival, it takes place uh, in Lewiston and Auburn, Maine, here in central, uh, central Maine. Uh, Wednesday, November 10th is the first show. It starts at 7 p.m. Uh there are seven comedians on that show and there'll be a special ribbon cutting ceremony uh, to open the new bar. And uh, then for the rest of uh, 10th, 11th, uh, 7 PM every night, it's either at craft brew underground or at the Franco American center. Uh, There's two venues and there's seven or eight comedians on each show you can buy individual tickets or you can buy a pass for all four days. So what uh, day do um, you want to buy specifically? If you want to be able to say, shut the fuck up, Nate Bradford. (laughs) That would be November 10th. That would be Wednesday, November 10th. If you want to yell at me, you're going to want to come there, but I got to warn you. I'm performing with Jake Jacobson and Ben Chadwick, and they're two comedians who are not only hilarious, but will also tell you to shut the fuck up if you yell at somebody else. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, fun times. So, th- yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I totally forgot about it, but, uh, yeah, I- I'm super excited. Uh, yeah. I've, you know, this is the culmination. And hopefully your health won't fuck you in the ass when it comes to it. Oh, fuck no, man. I was scheduled on this show last year, and we had to cancel because of COVID. And so this year, when the organizer uh, uh, 
spoke out to me. Mark Turcott, main event comedy. Check him out if you ever want a stand-up comedian. This guy books all the best comedians uh, all you. over New England. And me, yeah. And me, uh, Mark Turcott. Yeah, actually, uh, his sister is one of the comedians that's going to be on the show with me that same Wednesday night. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so Mark reached out to all of us this year, and he was like, I'm sorry that the show got canceled last year, but everyone who earned a slot last year is eligible for a slot again this year if you want it. And um, we had actually gone back to live comedy again uh about six months we went back to live comedy again about six months ago so we had all seen each other and interacted again so he knew who was still kind of involved in the comedy scene so unfortunately you know unfortunately a, a lot of our friends next week, we'll probably be recording it on either saturday or sunday because when our show's regular supposed to be on the 10th Nate will be busy. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I never think about it when stuff like this happens. I'm like, oh, I, I like I said, the last couple of weeks that or the last month or so that I've my fucking boss is like, can you work Wednesday night? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm at work and I'm like, fuck, we're supposed to do a podcast on Wednesday night. Ugh. Fucking real life sucks, man. I just want to do podcasts and stand-up comedy. I don't want to have a real job anymore, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) That's what most people say. That's why you have to work at your like, oh, I don't want to work. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, gosh. Uh, All right, brother. Well, I'm going to go... watch a movie and uh, hit the sack. I gotta uh I gotta work overnight tomorrow night, so I gotta get some serious sleep. So. Overnight? God damn. Uh, yeah, um the other supervisor is on vacation and I had two people quit on me. No, I had four people quit on me this week because they don't wanna have to get vaccinated. And since I work for the federal government, we actually have paperwork that came across our desks last week saying, if you work for the federal government, you have to be vaccinated. So I had four people quit on me last week because they don't want to get vaccinated. And if any of you poor people are listening, from the bottom of my heart, I would like to say, fuck you. Yeah, for fuck's sake, how many, it's been two fucking years, guys. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, wash your fucking hands. I have no respect for your, (laughs) for your, my wife is a doctor, for fuck's sake. Science is real, I promise you. Science is real. And with that loss of his mind, Nate says, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, and <laughs> thank you and <laughs> goodbye uh, everybody yeah. have a good night folks thanks for listening we'll be back next week somehow what the hell son of a bitch of a How did I have that fucking song not queued up?
Stupid ass. Here we go, and good night, and thank you for listening, and Stephen, you're a dumbass. I know. Bye. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart, good night.